In this episode of Boss Files. We're building an ecosystem for women to uh, co-create the first beauty, uh, massive beauty company, really the, the biggest beauty company of this next century. She's been called one of the beauty industry's biggest disruptors, Emily Weiss, founder and CEO of Glossier. Formerly at Vogue, she attracted a huge following through her blog, Into the Gloss. She started talking directly to consumers and calls them her co-creators. How she's taking on legacy beauty brands by building what she calls a more personalized experience, not one built on celebrity endorsements. Our core value that we that really permeates everything we do, and I think that our, our community would echo back to us, is how inclusive Glossier is. And beauty historically, and in many ways fashion, has been uh, built around exclusivity. Also, why she says it's anti-feminist to judge how much makeup a woman should or shouldn't wear. Plus, why she calls power a loaded word. Here's my conversation with Glossier's Emily Weiss. Emily Weiss, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You're the founder and CEO of Glossier. Uh, But for people that might not be as familiar with the company as I am and others are, how do you define the company and your role today? Hmm. Because I don't feel like I can just say makeup company. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. Our customers have a hard time defining the company because they do. oftentimes they'll, someone will say Glossier and they say, well, it's so much more than just product. Like this isn't about, you know, lip gloss and face wash. Um, this is about a value system. This mm-hmm. is about using beauty as a tool and a conduit to connect with other people. Uh, and the best way to describe what Glossier is and what it is that we're building is we're building an ecosystem for women to uh, co-create the first beauty, uh, massive beauty company, really the, the biggest beauty company of this next century. Um, and so it's, it's a very exciting time for Small us. Small goals. Yes. Small goals, <laughs> Emily. I like that. One reporter recently called you the woman who birthed millennial makeup. Do you think of yourself that way? Uh, a large number of our customers are millennials. Um, I think that has to do with a couple factors. One is that um, you know millennials are shopping online a sure. lot, um, and two is that beauty is a massive category on social media and online. So it's the second biggest category on YouTube. Sixty um, percent of women say that the number one reason they choose to buy a new beauty product or try a new beauty product is through a peer-to-peer recommendation, and often what that means is not you know, two women sitting across from each other at the brunch table. No. It's someone who they saw on YouTube. It's someone yep. who they saw on Instagram. Um, and so it's a it's a highly shareable um, uh, and very um, topical uh, subject. It, it has been reported, at least, to be one of the fastest growing beauty brands in the world. You're private. But what numbers can you share with us? So we've had um, about 600% year-over-year growth in uh, customers and revenue. We launched three years ago in 2014, so the company turned three in October. Um, and we're about 138 full-time employees yeah. uh, in three different countries. But you've talked about hiring, what, 280 more? Correct. So we, uh, we will be hiring that over the next 10 years. Uh, so we will actually probably hire many, many more, more say, than that in the next 10 years. One of the goals that you talked about when you started the company was to create a beauty company whose sweatshirt you wanted to wear because it's so much more than just a product. That statement actually means a lot because there's not a lot of branded sweatshirts I want to wear. Mm-hmm. Maybe CNN. That's about <laughs> it. I mean, really, like it, it's a, it, it's hard to get 
especially millennials, I think our generation, to want to wear brands. They have yep. to believe in all that the brand embodies. Right. Yeah, I think I think you know if you think about the best brands over time, uh, it's a fickle. First of all, being a brand is 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 tricky. Um, the world is moving so fast. There is so much newness. We're in an age of you know in many ways fast fashion, fast dating, fast friendship. Everything is you know at yeah, the at true. the tip of your fingers. And with brands, I think what's so important today and probably has always been important are two things. Really everything with a great brand comes down to two things, and that's value set Mm -hmm. and quality. Uh, You cannot have a great brand without great quality, in my opinion. You cannot have a lasting brand without great quality. Um, And more so today, I think, especially when it comes to beauty and Mm self-image and women, um, you have to have a value set that uh, relates to the values of today's woman. So what what are those? When you think about your values as a company, people should know your products, by the way, are priced between, what, 12 and... 12 and 38, roughly. Okay, so this is quite different than, say, a Chanel, for yes, example. Yes, yes. Um, so one of, your, one of your identifying factors, obviously, and you've talked about being on a mission to democratize beauty. Mm-hmm. So price points can help do that. Yes. What else? Uh, I think just generally, you know, our, our core value that we that really permeates everything we do, and I think that our, our community would echo back to us, is how inclusive Glossier is. And beauty historically, and in many ways fashion, has been uh, built around exclusivity. So, you know, you can't afford this product, uh, you're not the right weight, skin type, uh, socioeconomic background to to you know, participate in this mm. product, and a lot of um, a lot of the tenets of luxury are really based around exclusivity. Uh, what's so f- great about beauty, though, and that I love, is that um, people have really replaced retailers brands and even brand appointed experts as the bearers of opinion about beauty. Um, And so what I love about about beauty is that because so many women can participate in it, you know, it's much easier to get a $12 GlossierBalm.com than it is to get a $3,000 Gucci, uh, you know, handbag. Um, It really turns into this connective tissue between women, Uh, the evergreen nature of products, of Mm. a beauty product, the fact that, you know, Clinique released dramatically different moisturizer in the early 1960s. I remember using that. And today has, you know, I think they do 300 million uh, annually on one single product. Uh, and the fact that you can say, I remember using I do. that, how many other women can also be united well, your by some shared experience around this one product? Um, and so I, I think that's another thing that, to me, makes beauty really unique is that it is a, um, a, um, a subject on which everyone can you know, comment on. And I think um, the power of people to have opinions and, and voices around the brands and the products that they elect is, mm-hmm. um, is incredibly... Uh, awe-inspiring, to be honest, right now. You used to work at Vogue. We'll get into that in a Mm -hmm. moment. But Teen Vogue just came out with their last print edition, and notably on the front, no celebrities. Mm. And you are a brand, although celebrities use your brand, you do not pay celebrities to market and advertise your brand. Mm -hmm. Your your relatively new ad campaign is very distinctive uh, and can be defined as inclusive. I mean, the the, the women in it, on it, all different races, all, all different skin types, all different weights, et cetera. And not models. And not models, mm-hmm. right? So what does that tell us about where you believe this industry is going? From the industry that I viewed growing up as a teenager, as every single person advertising it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Beauty has often been, well, let me back up. 
I'm a consumer of beauty just like you. I'm no more of an expert. I'm no more clued in. No, I, I love products. I've tried a lot of products. You know, there's other women who've tried a lot of products who do not have, you know, a platform of as many Instagram followers, but who have a breadth of knowledge that could far surpass my own. So uh, that's not what's important anymore. Uh, what is important, I think, today is to understand that beauty enables you to be on a journey. Beauty enables you to, um, you know, really become your own expert and become the author of your own routine. Mm. There's no one size fits all. Really, you know, newsflash, there never has been. The truth, though, is that the channels that we were able as consumers to tune into were much fewer and further between. Mm. So my background is in media. I love media. Media is incredible. Look what social media has done. Look what it's done to, you know, news. Mm -hmm. Look what it's done to CNN. Look what it's done to, you know, we are in an era where you have so much choice in who you want to tune into um, on Instagram, on Facebook, on the news, on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and beauty is no different. So the power of beauty consumerism used to lie in the hands of art directors, of uh, celebrities, of brand-appointed spokespeople, mm-hmm. and that's because that was the only option. But now that we are in an era of social media, um, that is the not just not the only option social media is the preferred option it is like statistically proven right that women want to listen to other women as opposed to brands or brand appointed experts they trust so them more what glossier has to say about glossier is actually far less relevant than what our customer has to say about yeah. glossier so we are one voice among many and that's the way we want it you this all began with into the gloss which mm-hmm. was is was your blog and it grew into product. Um, you had said at one point that you wanted it, that to become the New Yorker of beauty and that you had a gut feeling that it would work. It was It's sort of reverse engineering, at least as I understand it, a product, asking mm-hmm. people what they want and building it, mm-hmm. not building it and then asking them to tell you what they think. Why did this work? Into the Gloss worked uh, and continues to work because it talks about people talking about product. And it was not about one person talking about product. This is not Emily's, you know, talking, Emily talking about product. This is not, you know, media company or media brand talking about product. This is us, in a way, merchandising and curating people so that you can find and discover who you want, whether that is a um, celebrity like Kim Kardashian or uh, Ariana Huffington or a barista with pink hair on the corner who you think has great style. Um, it, our job at Into the Gloss is to help people discover people. And that is mm. how um, I think you can find the, the product recommendations that work the best for you. And when Kim Kardashian uh, posts about your products, she's not paid. No. But that it helps. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's also thrilling, you know. I mean, it's amazing to who 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 doesn't want to see you know someone like that showing up and saying, "I love Body Hero. I can't. I love the smell. I love this body wash. It's incredible." One thing that I've noticed in in the few products of Glossy that I, that I use, they are not uh, products that. Well, they make. <laughs> I like how they make me look, but they do not alter my face. Mm-hmm. Now, 
to be very candid, when I come to work and I get ready to go on TV, you can see my face right now, it's contoured, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a big debate over that. And we see it all over social media, women that don't even look, some of them, like themselves because of the contouring, because of what's been done to their face. Bobby Brown, who we've had on the podcast, would not, before she left her brand, refuse to create a contouring palette. Where do you fall on that, Emily? Because you don't, you don't have products like that. Sure. So... Our product range, we have designed extremely slowly and methodically. In many ways, the it's the antithesis of the beauty brand uh, factory approach um, and the fast fashion approach that is sweeping, you know, the fashion industry. You can, in many ways, say is sweeping the beauty industry as well. It's very easy, actually, to go to a contract manufacturer and say, "Make me a brand." That is not how we've gone about things at, at Glossier. Uh, coming from a beauty editor background and a background of uh, being extremely analytical of products um, by sitting in women's bathrooms from around the world and talking about the routines, what has This is how you worked. started for people who don't this know is, this the is, gloss. Yeah, this is, this is how I started. You know, hundreds and hundreds of hours sitting on, you know, bathroom floors and on closed toilets. You uh, bought a nice camera and Bought a nice camera it. and I started, I taught myself how to take pictures and I shot women's bathrooms and I listened. I just listened. I said, press play, and I sat there, and I record for an hour and a half, and people said, no one wants to hear and read, you know, a long-form story about someone's beauty routine on the internet. They want, they want quotes, they want sound bites, they want, you know, 15-second videos, mm -hmm. and in fact, they don't, and we have one of the highest engagement rates on our blog of any media platform I can think of. 50% of our followers come back every single day and, and, and read what's new. So, um... So I think it just goes to show that listening uh, is, mm -hmm. is, is really important today. But um, do people want to change themselves, Emily? I guess that's what I'm getting to. Like, yeah, do you I see think, the well, future here's, as here's, that? Here's or? the thing. We don't have a staunch approach when it comes to products we will or won't make okay. based on looks. And that's because everyone should design a look that works for them. If Kim Kardashian loves contouring, great. Mm -hmm. Like, who are who am I or anyone else to tell a woman, you know, what how they should look? Mm -hmm. um, I am all for you know women having the freedom to look however it is they want, and if that means using forty-two makeup products and spending an hour and a half on their makeup in the morning to judge that person yeah. um, is incredibly anti-feminist. So I think. Uh, I think with Glossier, what we aim to do is make the core essential products that if you were to have a handful, you know, every day that you want to build off of and that are really kind of the building blocks of your routine, we're looking to do that. I myself, I happen to not wear, you know, a ton of makeup. I, I, it's, it's more just because I am quite lazy and I roll out of bed in the morning and I like to live a block away from my office so I can run over with wet hair and, and get to work. Mm -hmm. You should see me on the weekends. You should see me when I come to work. Half the time they don't recognize the me from TV from the me who walks right. into the lobby, but that's that's the me. Right. You know, the TV face isn't isn't the me i'm lucky to have some pretty amazing makeup artists who i get to work with every morning more from my interview with glossier's emily weiss after the break you left vogue that it's you're working at vogue in any capacity is a plum job many people would say what told you in your gut 
I should leave. I need to leave. I need to go out on my own and and dive in. I started uh, I started the blog Into the Gloss when I was 25. Um, had the idea in August. Put it together uh, with a really lean lean team uh, within a month, and started editing uh, the blog post from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. in the mornings before I'd go to work, and then shoot everything on the weekends. Right. And you did two full-time jobs. Two full-time jobs. Uh, had no idea how I was going to monetize this website. Had no idea what success really meant, but knew that it was critical that there was a new conversation and a new place and a new forum to initiate a new way of talking about beauty, um, which was much more in the people's hands mm-hmm. and much less owned by brand or owned by media or owned by um, experts. And uh, and so Into the Gloss, I thought, was really necessary in the world. And as it turned out, within a very short period of time, within days and weeks and months, realized that many other women felt the same way. So today we have over 2 million unique visitors from around the world, um, which, of course, is not BuzzFeed. But you, again, you go back to the engagement on Into the Gloss. Mm-hmm. It's just through the roof. I mean, you have hundreds of comments on posts of women connecting with each other from San Francisco to Saudi Arabia. So it's, it's an incredible platform for connectivity through a shared uh, desire to discover what works for you. Um, and to quit my job after a year, uh, you know, it's a shame I don't have some really sexy, you know, exciting aha moment. I think it was just a gradual um, forcing, you know, kind of mechanism around, well, you know, uh, how can I serve this community? How can I, how can I better serve, you know, the growing and mounting desire uh, mm-hmm. for this platform? And I had to make a choice. I mean, there's only so many hours in the day. This is true. There are only so many hours in the day. Uh, now, if any big, you know, established beauty company did not know what Glossier was when it launched in 2014, they quickly learned. Do you see yourself battling the Estee Lauders, the L'Oreal's, the big, the big sort of houses? Um, and would you ever consider selling to one of them? Because something tells me they've called. So it's interesting. You know, people ask, who's your competition? And, you know, to your to answer your question specifically, do you see yourself battling these big, you know, uh, houses, um, you know, the, the, the Estee Lauders, the L'Oreal's? It's absolutely not a battle. Uh, first of all, beauty is... Um, it's not a winner-takes-all game. This mm-hmm. is not Uber versus Lyft. Uh, women have, on average, you know, it's over... true. No one has a makeup bag full of just one brand. Exactly. And so what we are promoting is uh, choiceful consumption and women uh, being able to connect with others and make the best decisions for them. And that can include, hopefully, Glossier products and hopefully other products because that's going to be, you know, uh, if that's what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. So we are not looking to um, do what many brands before us and many of the companies you mentioned have done, which is uh, try to coerce uh, women into thinking they actually do need all one brand. Huh. Um, that is that is you know simply uh, uh, not true. So in the same way that a lot of women are not wearing all one look, you know we are in the era in terms of from the you know neck down in terms of clothing. We are in an era of choice. We are in an era of personal style. We're in an era of curation and of you know. Um, almost a almost a, a a paradox of choice in many ways so um i think i think that's what's making uh 
making things interesting. Have they called? Of course. I mean, we've had a lot of great conversations. I've called <laughs> them. They've called us to share, you know, what's working, what's not working. I think beauty, um, in order for beauty to, again, continue to... Um, to exist mm -hmm. as an industry, we all have to be aware. Companies like Glossier that are new, companies like L'Oreal that are old, we all have to be aware that we have never been in an age uh, where the customer is always right, more so than we are today. Do you think that those big establishment makeup companies that my grandmother used, that my mother used, that I used when I was, when I was growing up, are, are they relevant today? to the millennial generation? So there's an interesting channel conversation here. Um, if you think about what Estee Lauder did in pioneering the department store beauty counter model, and in many ways the brand model, uh, you have to remember that whenever that was in 1950s you know, or uh, 60s or 40s, I'm not sure exactly when it happened, what was a department store if not the Amazon of the day, right? That's what was true. What was a department store if not the most innovative, oh my God, I can you know drive to this place that has a bunch of brands and a bunch of people who know all about something I you know, know what very about today? little about. When you look at malls and the decline yeah, of malls so in I this think country. It, you, because you know, women are discovering beauty in different ways. Women are choosing to discover beauty through social networks. Mm -hmm. They're discovering beauty through peer-to-peer -peer platforms like YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. And needing to go um, and discover through a brand or a brand-appointed expert is not the, the, the best shopping experience any longer. So you are discovering beauty on platforms like Into the Gloss, and you are clicking through and fulfilling beauty on Fine. Sephora and Amazon. So I think um, you know where it leaves beauty today, it's in a really interesting place where there has not become... Um, well, let's put it this way, there's not a lot of great shopping out there for beauty anymore. Even Sephora and you know other multi-brand stores mm -hmm. are still only offering you one choice of who you connect with yeah. in terms of who walks up to you. So then what happens, Emily, to these multi-million dollar ad contracts that big beauty houses pay movie stars and supermodels? You don't use any of them and you're doing pretty well. Do those you know, go away? Well, my daughter who is two now, uh, even see movie stars in, in these ads for makeup brands, you know, when she's 15? I think, um, you know, the era of putting all of your eggs into one basket is very much over. Mm. So backing any one person, be it a movie star or even a giant influencer, mm -hmm. now that we're shifting from, you know, movie stars to the era of influencer marketing, at Glossier, we've always believed that every single one of our customers is an influencer. So we are past and have never been even in the point of saying, let's do influencer marketing, where <laughs> it's about you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 influencers. Uh, every single person who buys our product is influential to her group of 5, 10, sure, 50, 500 her. friends. So, um, so that is the group. The customer is the group that mm. we are trying to uh, encourage to share her preferences. It also allows you not to have to charge, uh, you know, forty dollars for a lipstick, because you're not paying millions of dollars to a celebrity to promote it. Correct. I mean, you know, we've we've had we've been very. 
um, it's been it's been fascinating seeing that you know so much of our growth having started the way we did my my background you know I did not go to business school I went to art school yeah. and I care so much about um, the customer and about uh, uh, branding today and what it means to be a good brand and I very much believe that to be a good brand today the brands of the future are going to be co-created they're going to be co-created with the customer and um, and uh, Yeah, I I think it's fascinating. Brands of the future will be co-created. Let's talk about your leadership. Uh, I think it's hard for any of us to admit what we don't know, but I find I'm at my best when I do admit that to members of my team or my co-anchor. I'm not great at this. You're great at this. Mm -hmm. You you lead on that. Mm -hmm. You have often said that one of your greatest strengths in building this company has been being very open about and knowing what you do not know and hiring for that. Example? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I um, I don't know how to use Excel. I uh, am really bad at math, although I'm excellent at a budget. That's what I did when I was at Vogue. I did budgets for shoots in addition yeah. to styling. So um, I think it's actually a gr- of great benefit to me and to the company that I do not have a typical MBA business background. I am uh, incredibly intuitive. I'm incredibly customer focused, mm-hmm. um, and and that's who I believe that we all are here at Glossier to please and to make happy. Um, I think that culture is a result of how people work together. I think Glossier has one of the best cultures in in the city. We were just ranked uh, LinkedIn number twelve or thirteen best startups to work in the in the in the world. Um, and uh, I'm very proud of who um, works at Glossier and who comes out of working at Glossier, uh, where people come from, backgrounds as diverse as Apple and, um, you know, GE and, uh, you know, business school graduates and former ballerinas who never went to college. You know, I mean, we, an incredible group of people that mm-hmm. we've brought together with a shared mission mm-hmm. and a shared purpose who we give an incredible amount of um, leeway to and opportunity to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I say to them, you know, well, who am I to be doing this? Who am I to be, you know, a 32-year-old CEO of a, you know, $40 million venture-backed uh, business? So I, I think, I think um, it really is true that if you, um, you know, want to make change and you're passionate about making change and you can bring people together and you can continue to bring people together, uh, you can do anything. I think technology has really made that possible. Let's talk about raising money. As you said, $40 million venture backed. Uh, Kirsten Green is a woman I know well. She's been on on this podcast before. She is uh, a venture capitalist who bet on you first. Is that right? Mm hmm. And you have talked about going out to raise money initially and talking to what you describe as a lot of dads who (laughs) didn't get it. Talk to me about that process, because I don't think people know enough, sort of the average American, how male-dominated the VC world is. Yeah, so I think it's uh, 2.6%, last I checked, of um, venture-backed startups every year are female-led. So two point six out of hundred. Disappointing number. Uh, it's a systemic problem. Yeah. Um, venture capitalists, six percent of them are female. So you've got a lot of pattern recognition. You've got a lot of people who are saying, you know, you remind me of me when I was younger. So I'm going to give you money. Well, yeah, and a lot of you know, uh, there are there are industries that are better bets 
in venture capital than others, mm-hmm. right? So if you go to the Valley, then and you are a SaaS company or you are a uh, fintech company or you know something like that, then you're going to get a lot more um, ears perked up, right? They know what those outcomes you know mm-hmm. look like. They have th- this is part of their wheelhouse. Um, it's a language that they speak. Mm-hmm. When you go as a 27 year old, um, you know, art school graduate woman into these companies and start talking about the power of beauty, uh, you really have to be able to point to some big data and big numbers right. to get people to understand that this is a field in which they should absolutely so be playing. So what were they saying to you? What were the dads you were pitching to saying to you? Um, you know, it was, uh, it, it, listen, I had an incredible, and I have been fortunate to have an incredible fundraising experience. We have had three rounds, a seed, an A, a B, um, led by, you know, some of the best partners I could ever ask for. Um, and some of them are dads. Yeah. And some of them are Kirsten and their moms. Um, and I think the most important thing for everyone to understand and that we really tried to drive home going out was this is a quarter trillion dollar market. There have been you know, 10 plus billion dollar outcomes in the last four years in beauty. This is massive and it's only going to get bigger. Um, and pointing to the engagement, pointing to, you know, the role that beauty plays in social media um, uh, was, ended up being convincing to the right people. And there were people who ended who, who said, you know, we just don't play in beauty or um, we already did one beauty you know, deal. We have a beauty subscription box uh, and they weren't open minded enough to understand mm. that, you know, you can have more than you one. can have more than one. It's not there. You know, just because you have one beauty investment is does not mean, you know, you can't have another. They're different. Um, there just had there, there was a level of uh, closed mindedness. But I think, again, the 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 results, the numbers and, and what's happening in the market when it comes to beauty mm-hmm. is speaking for itself. And you'd be crazy to not, you know, invest in these companies. I mean, Sequoia just did a you know huge investment with Charlotte Tilbury. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think yeah, you'd be crazy not to invest in beauty right now. In this conversation, this moment of reckoning in Silicon Valley right now, in so many industries when it comes to sexual harassment and sexual misconduct, and we've heard my colleague Lori Sie- Siegel has reported extensively on what uh, women have faced in the VC world trying to raise money and also working mm-hmm. in these venture firms. Mm-hmm. What about for you, Emily? Have you faced uh, discrimination because of your sex, do you believe? Harassment because you're a woman? Or have you been lucky enough, I have, to, to not have faced that? Um, I've been fortunate. I have not, uh, I have not faced uh, anything that I have noticed. Um, I've also been quite, you know, <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm a woman on a mission, and I, I probably don't notice half of the, you know, uh, dismissive comments or yeah. things that, you know, are, uh, happen. But as I said earlier, look, I've, I've, been su- I've been supported by really incredible men in this industry. You know, Thrive Capital. So have I. Thrive Capital led our um, our Series A uh, when you know pre-launch before we had any data, uh, and IVP led our Series C, and um, uh, we have you know two three guys on our on, on our board who are incredibly supportive. We have our, a workplace who is um, about eighty percent female at Glossier, um, with uh, you know guys who are really bought into our mission. Um, and, and so, um, you need that. Yeah, you, you really need that. And I think, look, the, the, this is a very frightening time and it's a very triggering time for, um, women, uh, no doubt. And I think there are a lot of, 
um, bad guys out there. I think there are also a lot of good guys out there who are wondering, what can I do? Mm-hmm. What can I do to help? How can I, mm-hmm. um, you know, h- how can I be a good guy? Um, and generally, I, I, I tend to be an optimist, and I'd like to be an optimist, and um, I, I, I like to try to see the good in people. And I think any amount of change, uh, mm-hmm. including getting those percentages up of female-backed startups and those um, percentages up of female venture capitalists, any uh, amount of change that we're going to have there is going to come from collaboration between both sides, um, men and women. Empowerment. Yeah. You don't like the word. It's it's not that, yeah, it's a little outdated. I, I'd like to think about power and redefine what it means to, um, not redefine, define what it is to be powerful. Define it for me. What is power to you, Emily? I think there's a misconception, especially with who is in power in 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 the world. Um, there's there power is a pretty uh, loaded word. Mm. I don't think many people want to identify as you know powerful. Um, you think about things like power hungry. You think you know you look at who is, is you, you look at you look at our president. You know you you. Uh, power means, you know, needing to intimidate or needing to um, coerce or needing to, uh, I mean, you know, I, I think there's a different way of being in power and particularly as a woman that has to do with soft skills, right, yeah. <laughs> that I think are pretty powerful. You bring up the president. You chose to speak out publicly from your public platform about being a supporter of Hillary Clinton. Um, I've talked to a lot of CEOs, some who have made that decision to wade into politics and be vocal, and some who have said that is not for me because the Mm -hmm. people who work for me and my customers are of all different Mm -hmm. walks of life politically. How did you make that choice in this election, Emily? So, um... To to speak out. Well, personally, I I spoke out, um, you know, proud proud Democrat, supporter of Hillary. Um, You know, as, as a company, I think it's a really... It's a really uh, uh, unprecedented time to be, you know, a, a brand in, in social media and decide and need to constantly. It's not a one-time thing. Constantly decide what is our what is our place on opining on mm-hmm. X, and that could be politics. Um, that could be any number of things. I mean, every single day there is, you know, something new that comes up. And I think for us at Glossier, um, we our job is not to, you know, we, we are not a media company. We are not a news outlet. Um, our that is not our our primary function in in the world. Our our function is to um, help women uh, make good choices and good choices as defined by them. And so um, with regard to the election, we encouraged first and foremost people to uh, make a choice, Mm -hmm. period. Just make make a choice. Uh, And and that was really our our, our core message around election time. Your parents, before Mm -hmm. we wrap up, you credit your parents with a lot. of your success and learning from them about your father. You've said he was very much the American dream, didn't graduate from college, printed his own business cards, worked his way up from a door-to-door salesman. What did they teach you? They taught me, you know, it's interesting. I, 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 I do believe and I heard that, uh, you know, to say uh, you can be anything, you know, to a little girl, if you didn't say that, then wouldn't they just think they could? Like, why, why, is, well, it even, why, why is it even noteworthy, right? Huh. Yeah. Um, and I would say that that is how I was raised. It was is never you told. you can do anything. Yeah, but it was just uh, implied. It didn't need to be, you know, I, I didn't I didn't ever know from my parents that it could be any other way. And listen, I, I grew up um, uh, 
you know, privileged. I, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to afford to go to a, you know, New York University. Yeah. Um, so uh, I understand that there are uh, a lot of different circumstances that would have prevented me from being able to pursue my dreams in the way that um, I have. But I think what my parents definitely instilled in me is just, you know, working for it. Things do not come easily. You have to work for it. My dad worked, you know, his butt off for 30 plus years until until retirement. And it is of that generation that, you know, had careers, really worked for it, really stuck it out. And I think today um, in the age of, you know, fast, fast, fast and, and endless choice. When's my raise? When's my promotion? When's my raise? When's my promotion? What's my next step? Can it be better? <laughs> the grass is always greener. You know, I, information highway, information overload um, to be consistent mm-hmm. and to stick with something when it's hard uh, and with conviction is incredibly important as an entrepreneur um, and as a as a leader and as a CEO. Success for you is what? Success for me is making people happy. I think ultimately, I like you know, that's the end. At the end of the day, that's what we do. Uh, we are a a beauty company. Our product should bring you joy. Should connect you with other people. Um, and I th- I, I want to make our customers happy. I, I also want to make um, our team happy. Quick rapid fire. Make a product you would not want to leave home without. Balm.com. I think dry lips, not having a lip balm in your purse is like a kiss of death. Yeah. Tech device that you can't live without. iPhone. Which you're sitting on right now. Which I, people it is under see. my legs. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter? Instagram. Lip gloss, lipstick? Lip gloss. Hidden talent? I can make a turkey noise. You know you have to do it now. I'm not going to do that right now. How could you say that and not do I, it? I, you, we are going to have to do another, another huge, session. Huge, huge disappointment. I'm sorry. Um, iTunes, Spotify, CD, record, or 8-track? Uh, Spotify. East Coast, West Coast. Oh, that's really tough. I know. You want to live in L.A. Yeah, or... I mean, I go back and forth. I, I'm, a, I'm a hybrid. Very political answer on that one. <laughs> Ideal weekend plans? Um, hiking and eating oysters. Who's your hero? My hero? I don't know. Probably, probably my assistant, Morgan. I think that's a good one. <laughs> Thank you for all you do, Morgan. Yeah. Emily Weiss, nice to meet you. Nice Congrats. to meet you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Boss Files. If you're a new fan of the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and subscribe. While you're there, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. As always, you can follow me at CNN. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.